I'm Rebecca. I'm Hetty. And I'm Lucy. And we've been friends since the days of gel pens and Furbies. And this is The Thing About That, a podcast that challenges the everyday expectations of modern life and flips the bird at a one-size-fits-all approach to living. In this episode, the final one of our first season, we take stock of our podcast journey, discussing our favourite moments from the series and what we have learned along the way from our rants, our rambles and our raucous revelations. Have you guys seen the new bridal emojis? This is major. Only because of you. I haven't looked properly, so we should talk about them. They are just so fabulous. The Apple have introduced a little man in a dress with his moustache but in a bridal gown and veil and a little lady in a tuxedo. Yes, Apple. And I just can't get enough of it. And I don't know why it, it excites me so much, but it genuinely just put the biggest smile on my face. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Well done, Apple. Well, that's it. It goes to what we've been saying around the idea of trying to make more fluid the image of both a bride and a groom. So yes, I think TTAT are very on board. Well done, Apple. TTAT and Apple, sisters from other misters. (laughs) (laughs) We endorse this movement. (laughs) Here we are, guys. I know. This is the last episode of the first series of The Thing About That. Mixed feelings. Mixed emotions. Go on, Hetz, kick us off. I feel if someone had told me back in April that we that we would be I mean I I always could imagine us three doing something balmy and awesome like this but someone told me that we would have spent how many months you know 6 months talking about weddings which is <laughs> 15 odd episodes 15 odd episodes so however many extra hours of recording that ultimately equates to talking about an institution that I don't particularly like and something which I didn't really want to do I would have said are you pulling my leg or both of them actually so I think you know I think it's quite extraordinary that we got here and I also think that I am surprised by just how much I've I guess I think I've learned along the way I do think it's been quite a good and I don't know how you're both feeling about it but it's been a useful filter and an evaluative exercise for me and I have come out with a slightly different overall point of view on certain things as a result of discussing it as regularly. Really? Yeah, I have. I think I've learned a little bit about myself and my perspective on weddings. I think the thing that I'd lost sight of a bit was the difficulty between balancing selves and balancing others and in the wedding context, which I think is one of the hardest things about weddings. And I think it's balancing self-interest and balancing the feelings of others and I think one of the reasons why I've gone slightly astray almost is because I think I have felt from the get-go very defensive about our choices yeah and I think the reason I felt defensive about our choices is because we've been trying to change the blueprint or do things in a way which is a bit different from the norm and I shouldn't be shy about saying that has not always responded and people reacting the wonderful way that both you reacted, for example. Like when I proposed to Jacob, that didn't go down well with lots of people. Even a couple of weeks ago, Jacob's family got into a pretty nasty argument with some of their family friends about Jacob taking my surname. And also because I feel almost guilt, I think guilt about the idea that we are now getting married when I didn't want to join the engine. I didn't want to be another participant in this engine, especially at my age. I felt guilt going into the process. I felt anxiety around the images of bride, anxiety about how we do this in a way that I'm going to get comfortable doing I think almost before I even we even started planning I think I felt immediately incredibly defensive and I think that meant that my way of counteracting that defensiveness was to take control entirely entirely yeah and for Jacob and us to be our little bubble and for just to just focus on what we want focus on what we think's right and I think what I've really learned from this process is actually now being able to socialize those thoughts and feelings a bit more and being able to hear other people talk about their worries and priorities for getting married and so much of that being about bringing in other people and bringing in other people and doing it in a way that is 
are not ultimately compromising of what you want, but it is there is still some compromise in it, and that's okay because yes. what otherwise is the social function of getting married? I think that's been a healthy reminder. I'm not sure it completely changes what we'll end up doing, but it's been a really healthy reminder. Mm. I think, Hetz, I am so the same as you. Me I know too, I obviously didn't start from as much of a position of defense defensiveness as you put it mm. but that's something that's really struck me and I guess it's in the interview we had with Shobna Galati and the interview we had with Amy Anais yeah the beauty of involving your family and your friends I guess the interview mm. with Freddie mm. Hutchins as well yeah. because you know it was that whole thing about the wedding being about a celebration of all these people as well as the couple all these people who are connected to a couple in the middle of it yeah and you'd have thought it would go the opposite direction that because we're talking so much and we're analyzing and we're really evaluating our decisions that it would make us even more sort of strong-willed about stuff but I definitely feel like during the process of recording this I've got more open to like bringing my mum in on conversations my Mm. mother-in-law in in on conversations understanding that for them this is such a joyous thing to sit down and I totally agree the number of people who really want to like sit with you of an evening and have a chat about what you're thinking about your wedding dress or how your to-do list is going and actually just how much joy it brings them and then brings me because fundamentally what's sitting underneath people asking questions and people sharing opinions really simply is the fact that they care And of course, you won't please all people, especially if you go down a slightly less traditional route. There might be some people who feel uncomfortable or feel like they don't really understand how you've put it together or the flow of the day. And that's just sort of the will of the world, really. You can't please all people all the time. But Mm. I'm sort of so with you guys in the way that you're talking, because sort of looking back at when we originally thought about maybe doing this as sort of an entrance into some sort of recorded conversation format way back when we had a drink after an amazing show that Lucy was in. I remember then sort of feeling really excited about the prospect of doing something with something you guys, but even when the very theme of marriage and weddings were brought up, I was so already very much at the end of my tether that I got almost (laughs) mildly irate when someone even brought up wedding planning Oh, so boy, have I really hugged the bear during this process. <laughs> but to be honest, that's sort of been a really positive outcome because similarly, I think I've observed in myself a lot more evenness and a more measured response of yes. my own handling with all things wedding because, and I think you've hit the nail on the head, Hetty, because I already felt slightly cornered and defensive and a little bit attacked, probably misinterpreting quite a lot of the time where other people were coming from. That was the stance from which I was starting at. So I was shutting down conversations left, right and centre. I was trying f- mm. I was trying to make it not even a thing because it's just a party. So why do we need to be talking about all the aspects of a party? Let's just have a party already. But actually, mm. you know, that's massively overlooking the fact that people care and they want to have a say in it and they want to help and support and they want to get excited about it in the same way that that you are. So my mm. approach of kind of not wanting to look at it for fear of seeing an ugly thing had mm. changed and I think in quite a helpful way for myself and for my own sanity but also for the people around us as well yeah I think that's right I think that's right and and I think also the exercise of even just and I know we've talked about weddings as a three of us together anyway but the exercise mm. of doing that regularly and feeling like you're not on your own working in this vacuum where you <laughs> think everyone else thinks you're insane like the number of times where you're going on to google and you're trying to look for something but because it doesn't fit that blueprint you feel like mm. am I just am I just a mad person for not wanting to do it that way or not wanting as we talked about to spend that amount of money on that right yeah. talking helps who knew <laughs> talking really helps you yeah. realize this, this, this you're not on your own yeah mm-hmm. we really aren't like you see the feedback and we get to talk about it to each other we're not on our own and that for me has been a very healthy exercise of receiving that feedback I feel like I'm desperate to do something here which is horribly un-British but <laughs> I just had a look through some of our really (laughs) lovely reviews before we started recording this final episode and it's so in keeping with what you were saying Hetz like Mm, some of the ones mm. that I just jotted down here were things like sitting here binging these episodes as an unmarried but with partner 30 year old woman who is also a feminist but grew up with religion but doesn't feel tradition is important now this resonates Mm. and someone else saying this topic is something barely touched by the mainstream feminist movement thanks for shedding light And I really feel like what you said, Hetz, which is this has been a helpful 
a therapeutic exercise for us and going, mm. we're not alone. But also, you know, we keep talking about us three as a sort of homogenous group. And I think one of the things that's been so fascinating is the realisation of how different we are, actually. Yes. You know, there are certain elements that we feel the same about, but certainly for me, it's the realisation of actually how traditional I am when it comes to this. I think that surprised me how much <laughs> I find myself leaning towards these things that are actually just, like you said, the tried and tested. <laughs> for all the song and dance I make about doing something informal and slightly different, Ben turned around the other day when I was, I think, talking after one of our interviews, and he was saying, you do realise that actually you are a little bit more traditional than you realise. And I was like, how dare you? What do you mean? And he was like, let's just walk through the plan that we did have in place. And I was like, yeah, no, there is a traditional format and layout to the way that the day is designed. All of a sudden I was like, huh, I need to get off my eyeballs a little bit. But but also that is because there is a reason why some people do things a certain way because it does work. And all the things we've talked about endlessly of if you question the things Sometimes it's easier to know where the big battles are and battle those things rather than every little thing being, what's the word I'm looking for? Choosing your wars and not fighting every battle. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the one. That's, yeah. Choose the war, not the battle. Not Choose every single battle. That is my, <laughs> that's my advice. <laughs> and I do think, you know, I want to make it clear that although I've come out of this process and have probably ultimately warmed towards the idea of weddings having a social function what I haven't warmed to and what remains very constant for me is still still this notion that it's held up on a pedestal in a way that there's you know the equivalent of not getting married isn't Mm. and what I still think is a real problem is that it's a couple of things first we need to see more working alternatives where people are not getting married i think we need to see yes mainstream yeah. programs tv shows and movies showing couples who are together or not together or whatever but not making Great people point. feel pressured to have a wedding as a way of leveling up their relationship i think that needs to go 100%. and that thing of when people meet each other one of the first things they do is check for a wedding band because i know they feel like that indicates so much about that person which is such a misnomer <laughs> Exactly. And especially then, so then the, and the corollary of that is, whilst that still has that kind of social potency, mm. I think then you have to also make sure that there's a responsibility as someone who's having the conversation with someone who is engaged and have decided that that's what they want to do, to try not to fall into the conversational crutches and the trappings that make them feel that they have to be doing it in a certain sort of way. Because I think if I didn't feel defensive from the get go, because people were asking me the wrong questions which is not their fault it's just it's just Mm -hmm. habit it's of course we're going to fall upon the habit of language that we're used to using and questions that probably were totally pertinent 50 years ago but not as relevant a lot of the time now yeah of course that's going to happen but I think there is a bit of a social responsibility to try and talk about weddings in a more open way rather than a well presumably you're having a paid bar and you know whatever it might be what's your dress going to be like and also way to make a person not feel special I mean when you bear in mind the amount of as we've said the amount of money that goes into weddings Mm. actually I think one of the things I battle with the most and partly maybe because many of my friends are already married I really battle with that thing of like how do I not feel like my friends? How do I not feel like all this money is spent on an event where actually I'm a clone of my yeah. cousin or and I'm I a clone of my friend? Yeah. I could be replaced with anyone else. And actually, those questions you mentioned, Hetty, those sort of easy social ticks that we just go to if someone says they're engaged or they're getting married, it's also slightly damaging when you're going, well, the only life I can live is my own. And Mm. within the context of my life, this is a gargantuan thing that I'm doing. And Mm. in a way, I don't want to be treated like I'm just stepping into the shoes of every single other person who's ever done it, because I sort of feel a million different ways about it that feel very unique to me. Mm. (laughs) So I think that's tough as well. So it sounds like one thing that you guys are both taking away and myself as well is sort of a certain reframing when it comes to involving other people and being open, I guess, to other people. Mm. So obviously we've accessed this world, this topic from so many different angles now. Mm. Is there anything else that springs out to you guys as something that you might not necessarily have thought about particularly deeply before that you are now applying or taking with you? 
I mean, obviously, Lucy, now you're not even getting married, you're eloping. That goes without saying. (laughs) (laughs) We're already married. That's the point. (laughs) (laughs) It was the marquee that did it. It broke you. The marquee broke you. The marquee quotes broke me and we just got married. In a shed. shed. (laughs) I would say that for every bit I've said so far about being shocked by how much I typically do veer towards the traditional, the established norms... Doing this podcast has also really exercised the analytical side of my brain and it's been quite a challenge to confront some of the thoughts that that raises. Mm. So I had an instance a couple of weeks ago when I was listening to the Husband Elects episode and I love the episode and I think the guys did so well in it. But what really struck me was that every single one of them When asked what part of the day they were looking forward to, they were slightly ambivalent. When asked how much of the planning they were doing, the unanimous answer was, you know, my lady friend tells me what to do and I do it, but basically I don't do much of the planning. And it really, oh God, it really produced this very strange visceral reaction in me that was like, this is mental. Mm -hmm. And... I know we've talked about division of labour already in the Big Day episode and we've all previously acknowledged that we are all the type of people who are quite creative, we love event planning, we love throwing a party, so I don't want to jump into the mistake of saying that this is absolutely a gender thing because it's not necessarily. Could be, yeah. It's also personality driven. Mm. But there was something about hearing out loud this perfect example of three quite different heterosexual couples and in all of them, the female was taking the main weight of the wedding. And... That just sowed a seed in me that made me feel a bit icky. Then there was a moment where Becca, in your interview with Tris, when you asked him how much of the planning he was doing, by means of an explanation as to why he's doing less than me, he pointed out that his working hours are longer and more rigid than mine. So I've ended up doing more of the planning because I can be more flexible and, you know, make phone calls during the day and investigate stuff at a sort of more helpful time all of which is totally 100% true. Nothing he said there diminishes me or my work, it's just fact. But a part of me, what it did was it made me feel, that word again, it made me feel very defensive. Mm. And I started to feel uncomfortable at the way that bit of that interview might have presented me. It was a very self-absorbed, this is a very self-absorbed (laughs) realisation, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) And... I didn't really realise how much this little thing was brewing in me. But you know, Tris is very good at knowing when something's on my mind, often better than me. And that evening, he sort of picked up on something and said, hey, what's up? And I said... <laughs> You're a sexist pig. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. I mean, so far from it. But funnily enough, I, I couldn't really place why I was feeling horrid, genuinely. But then I used some word, and I wish I could remember what it was, but I used a word in a sentence that was just a pretty revealing choice of word (laughs) from the very depths of my soul. I think it's very self-aware and empathetic, Tristan. I think it's very good at picking apart a little bit or seeing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And slowly I began to sort of join the dots from listening to the episode earlier to the way I was feeling in that moment. And what I realised was that that little comment, that little thing about, Tris working all day was sort of a manifestation of all of the worst feelings I've sort of started to have about myself which is that sometimes I feel quite useless in a way that I didn't when I was single Mm. I was independent and single for such a large part of my adult life and I was completely self-sufficient and going to sleep alone in a bed by myself not an issue filling an evening by myself doing some work or watching tv alone not an issue I used to look at people who couldn't be out of a relationship and almost think how pathetic like why can't you be by yourself why can't you be alone Mm. I felt like I I was the perfect encapsulation of that like I don't need a man (laughs) and suddenly just being with a partner it's really like a relinquishing of control and I do find it a real struggle to not be independent and actually you know, Tris does earn more than I do and he has a more reliable lifestyle than I do. And that doesn't change my lifestyle at all. But as a comparison there, and it just so happens that it's the old-fashioned way round, you know, he's the man and he's got the more mm. stable, financially reliable life. And it 
just makes me feel a little bit like a 1950s housewife sometimes. Even though my lifestyle and what I expect of myself is no different. You know, what I bring to the partnership is no less than what I brought to myself when I was single. I didn't need someone before Tris. I don't need him to support me now, but I want him mm. and he does support me. And I know that he would argue that we support each other equally. And, and I know that that is true, but there is an element of doing this that has been quite hard in the way it's made me look at other aspects of my life. Mm. And yeah, just made me feel a bit icky about some things. So, you know, when you analyse everything and you come on here and we record these conversations, it wires your brain in a way where you start to more frequently question what's right and what's fair. And that has seeped into my wider life. And I'm glad it has. <laughs> but it doesn't actually make for an easier existence no. because naivety is bliss. Yeah, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. It's no bad thing to be thinking constructively about these issues. It's no bad thing to try and deconstruct some of the assumptions that underpin or the history that belies, mm. you know, some of the institutional aspects of weddings and everything else. That's, that's no bad thing. What I don't like what it does, and I think that I fall foul of this, I think I can... I think there are probably women in my life who feel like I'm judging them when I'm absolutely not. But because because I put this pressure on myself to sort of see things in this sort of way. And sometimes it can be a pretty joyless exercise, right? But because, <laughs> but because I put pressure on yeah. myself to do that, I think people then assume if they haven't done it or if they're happy with the norm, yeah. then in some way I'm judging them because they're, they're doing it differently. And I actually... A if anyone's listening to whom that applies I don't at all <laughs> but second of all what I worry about is that like trying to diversify the role that marriage plays in our lives trying to ensure that to the extent marriage is still a useful and hence serves a social function we're making sure that the wedding day is more diverse and it's more inclusive that shouldn't be the responsibility of just the woman mm, mm. and it shouldn't be on you to feel crap if you're not doing it right it shouldn't just be on you to try and fix it mm. to modernize it it should be something that you are deconstructing and doing together as a couple and I think Tris actually put it really well in his interview he was like everything that I want is all kind of parceled up wonderfully take it off the shelf here's my way of proposing and this is the wedding and you know this yeah. is all the society's done this for me because yeah. weddings are already very friendly to me they're a manifestation of things that I am already taught that I want and I think as a result because some of those kind of traditional roles within those within marriage because they are quite male friendly I think often it doesn't feel like it behoves the men to change them in the way that it does for women because we don't want that anymore. We're the people who don't want that anymore. But also it's that thing that came up a lot in the husband-elect episode, the whole vast generalisation, but the man often looks forward to the marriage, the woman looks forward to the wedding. And I think that combines with what you just said, Hetty, to make quite a, a toxic cocktail as well yeah. because the truth is... That is the case. Like, I want the day. I want the day. For all its issues, I'm I'm so looking mm. forward to the day. Whereas, actually, I think genuinely, if I said to Tris, let's just go to the top of a fell in Cumbria with our family and elope, he'd be like, fucking awesome. <laughs> mm. Let's do that. So that's the difficult mixture is marriage has traditionally been kinder to men and also they don't care so much about the day. Yeah. So they just sort of go, well, okay, you take it. Yeah. You can so see how it develops to be that way a lot of the time. Yeah. This is one sort of interesting offshoot of us doing this is that Ben was sort of saying, I've never had to think about this before. And going down the rabbit hole of all of these different, very complicated issues which merit thought... Mm. I think has, has been almost quite destabilizing. So he's gone from being a position of, well, of course, this is sort of vaguely the shape of the thing that we'll do, to I have less and less idea of what this thing is going to look like. Yeah. So looking forward to sort of next year, and Ben absolutely is all about the marriage rather than the wedding, and he finds a lot of things about the wedding, now that he has been forced <laughs> to think about them, <laughs> quite troubling. So our sort of plans in July are being scuppered obviously have made us relook at the money we have, how we want to use that, when we want to use it, combined with us really interrogating the whole territory of weddings. And I think Ben particularly now, because of both those two things, is really veering towards either not doing it because it's just not necessary to our partnership or veering towards a very small affair 
So it's had a really interesting effect on him because he mm. he is sort of being made to think about things that he never has before and kind of finding lots of aspects of it kind of vaguely horrifying. Whereas I now, because because what we were saying at the front end of this episode about talking helps alleviate stress, yeah. I feel like I'm quite, I'm sort of further through that process than he is. He needs to yeah. do a wedding podcast. Maybe we should get the three guys to set yeah. one up, a counter, counter series. But I think th- that is a great reaction. You know, that's a great reaction is to go, oof, society hasn't told me that I need to think about these things. Yeah, I haven't needed to. I've always assumed to be a certain sort of way. That certain sort of way does fine by me. Yeah, like I'm fine with that. And I think to have the reaction of going, "Oh God, this is a lot more complicated than I realise." Oh, there are elements that are uncomfortable. I think that's that's the right way of reacting, and that's the, what I would like listeners to realise. It's not just on you. It's not on the woman to yeah. fix this. And don't worry about the judging eyes of who you. You know, don't worry about the judging eyes of potential feminist friends or whatever it might be. And feminists alike, if they're worth their salt will want you just to feel like you have the option right and that you're legitimately Mm. choosing things because you think there are options and what you've chosen is what you actually want Mm. and that will often that for lots of people is going to side on something that's more traditional but the whole idea of deconstructing these ideas is to make sure that people are liberated to understand that there are valid options there are different ways of doing it i think that this is such a crucial theme because it's almost like in our lives we kind of establish quite a clear sense of our own identity quite a clear sense of our own values and then we switch lanes as soon as you're in the wedding world where you kind of leave those by the wayside so parallel world it's a very different parallel world and kind of you I certainly felt like without even realizing it I sort of left my values at the door in some senses. So Mm. kind of this is a a superficial example, but sustainability is something that kind of really took me by surprise because in hindsight, it feels like an absolute madness that that hadn't featured more heavily in our thinking and our planning when in other aspects of our lives, it's fairly prominent. So Mm. we use very deliberately, you know, 100% renewable energy supplier we mm-hmm. cycle and walk where we can. We don't really use plastics or get things delivered by vans if we can buy them in person. You know, tampons have been swapped out for moon cups. All of these kind yeah. of small but quite incremental things. And then suddenly when I was in the event planning space, <laughs> I was looking at how I could buy things on the cheap and get them shipped over from China. And the two things didn't even <laughs> cross my mind as being yeah. conflicting until we had that big discussion. Mm. I walked away from that kind of thinking, how very strange that all of a sudden I was switched <laughs> into a totally different river of thinking and hadn't even realised that I'd left all of these quite important values by the wayside. I think it's a brilliant example. I also think know where those wants and those drives come from. Yeah. Know where they come from and be okay with that. I definitely had a conversation. Again, God, poor Tris obviously had a hard time after the husband and Lex episode. But I <laughs> I said, you know, there was a moment where it was like, what's your favourite part of the day? And like all the other guys, he sort of didn't have one. And I said to him in a conversation later, I was like, go on, what are you looking, that's something you're looking forward to. And he was like, I can't think of anything. And I was like, you really can't think of anything, any specific part of the day that you're actively looking forward to. And he was like, uh, no. And I was like, well, then why the are we having this day I had exactly the same conversation with Ben just to reassure you that's so interesting and and actually the honest answer was fine let's not have it but then I would go well I want it yeah it's like okay then that's then that's why we're having the day and that is okay too but I think know where the want comes from it's not like he doesn't want the day ultimately he doesn't mind he wants to be married to me and he doesn't mind and he loves parties and he loves his friends and he loves my friends so it'll be a great day but the real want for the day is not coming from him. Mm. And I think that's calmed me down a bit as well. I'm not quite so pushy with, you need to have an opinion on this because I'm aware that he just doesn't mind quite as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And that's okay as well. Yes. We can't skip over the fact he did also call you his burning son. And I did, <laughs> I did swoon. I did swoon. <laughs> oh my I've never God. heard of a more appropriate acknowledgement of who someone oh, is. Oh, dear me, that got, that got me right in the chest, right in the good bits. But I guess I ended up having something relatively similar but different, which is that, Jacob, you wanted to get married so much. Yeah, you're like, I'm not the one who is pushing the day. You bawled your eyes out when I proposed. I find how much he loves you 
a little bit terrifying. If you weren't together, <laughs> I would I would take out a restraining order. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. He is such a romantic. Yeah, he's such a lo- lovely he, he's human. He's such a romantic. He is like, a pro- it's a proper yin-yang situation. I'm not very good at ever knowing anything for certain. And Jacob is so good at knowing things for certain. Mm. And he's just always known for certain about us. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I mean, I can be completely honest with you. I've always loved Jacob intensely, but I haven't always known. I mean, my my mind works in 15 different parallel thoughts at the same time all the time. There's no way on God's earth I'm ever certain about any one thing. Yeah. And I kind of now, you know, after 12 years, I'm like, oh, I'm probably pretty <laughs> certain now. But like, I'm constantly second guessing mm-hmm. and questioning myself. And he's always been the most amazing Yang to me because he's just always known. That constancy is amazing. Yeah, just completely unerring. Mm. Anyway, going back to the argument though. And so. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, you know, you, you bored like a baby. Like you so wanted to get married. And then he was, his response to that question was, you know, I didn't think we'd be doing it. So I'm just happy now with anything. I was like, bloody hell, that's not good enough. Like, if we're doing it, I now want it to be perfect for you because I don't know how to materialize something that I didn't want. Yeah, yeah. If you were a Disney child, I need to see your mood board. I need to see. (laughs) I don't mind doing the organising, but I need your mood board, Jacob. (laughs) I need your mood board. But like, it's hard to materialise something that I feel ultimately comfortable with. Mm. But I still want to materialise what you want to an extent, because that's what I wanted to be able to give you as an experience. Know where the wants and desires come from. It's helpful. Yeah. You pick up on a really good thing there as well, which is... Difficult conversations are good. I think what I've realised through doing this podcast and through planning the wedding is that the stress of wedding planning is given a very bad rep, right? And actually, we have had to combat some really fecking hard conversations and topics to wrap our heads together as a unit around this huge thing Mm. we're doing. There are hard things to talk about and actually that in itself has been the most wonderful marriage exercise Mm. I'd far rather learn how to communicate and how to raise my upsets and how to argue in a healthy and kind way over ultimately whether we're having ragu or a leg of lamb than (laughs) something more serious (laughs) further down the line that is pretty serious that is a big decision it's a good point for you, Luce, though. I mean, because also, to some extent, for you, that I, th- I can imagine that being heightened. I think you're yes. right. Look, I think because wedding planning processes are really intense, I think it's always going to be an environment where you're going to learn a lot about being with your partner because it's an intense environment. There's lots of things that every couple will learn from that process. But I guess that really must be heightened when actually, like, how long will you be engaged? You would have been engaged before you get married for longer than you were together, right? Yeah, true. And in, and in lockdown. Lockdown. And in lockdown. The majority of our relationship has been a lockdown engaged couple. Sounds quite <laughs> sexy, to be honest. Living with our parents. <laughs> oh, maybe not that bit. <laughs> I think the only thing I would just mirror is definitely what I found with Ben is going through this exercise has made us have conversations that we just haven't haven't really had. So it was only really through us doing this that I've really realised what's important for me, what's important for him and how those, where those two things are shared and where they differ Mm. and kind of nothing particularly groundbreaking. Again, he cares more about the marriage than he does the wedding. There's no particular standout moments with the wedding. In fact, I would go so far as saying some of the things that in my head I was most excited about, he actively is slightly horrified by. So for example, I have always had a level of social anxiety and feel very anxious in groups of people and I worry if I'm saying the right thing and if I'm being funny and how people are sort of responding to me I've come to realize that actually an aspect of this day that I hadn't quite realized that I was excited about is for one day I I don't need to be trying because other people will be coming to me and Mm. other people will sort of be saying nice things at me hopefully (laughs) (laughs) and you know that is a strange thing I'm very aware for me to say and it's kind of but it's it's true so it's something that I wanted to sort of acknowledge whereas for Ben Mm. Ben walks into a room and 
He doesn't light it up in a traditional way, in which I mean that he's not an attention seeker, he's not a firework, he is very much the fire. So people turn around and they see him and they know, oh, Ben's here, we're going to have a, a lovely time. He oh, doesn't seek yeah. a spotlight. So whereas I am thinking, oh, how wonderful to have, you know, some speeches where people say some nice things about me and mm-hmm. then I can record them and watch them over and over again when I'm feeling sad. Uh, Ben's thinking... <laughs> I can do that for you now if you'd like. Would you like me to... Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. If you could just leave me loads of voice messages afterwards, that'd be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> some of the things that actually are quite ugly to acknowledge, like that, Ben is the total opposite end of the spectrum where not only does he not need it, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want speeches either... I think the thing about speeches particularly is he feels like he has to stand up and say something, but he really doesn't want to because he doesn't love public speaking. So even the husband's oh elect episode don't was a do big it. deal for him. No groom speech. Which is what I suggested. Mm, but he, mm-hmm. he is kind of a, well, that's, no, that I have to do that. That's that's an expected part of what I'm contributing. And I was like, no, no, I think you're not. Problem. You're, problem. Yeah, this is a problem. Yep. You're sort of forgetting what we're doing here, which is we're not doing anything we don't want to do. Mm. That's it. Listen to the thing about that from episode one again. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> and then you'll understand your yeah exactly <laughs> work out the things that you really want work out the things that you can compromise on and then try and ultimately socialise them with only the people that mean enough to you to care about bravo excellent summation yes. Yes. Oh, series, <laughs> you shocked us into silence yeah, <laughs> One thing that I did want to put to you guys is slightly stepping out of this altogether. I would love to know how you have found the experience of this, of from scratch, kind of doing a podcast, getting together at least once every two weeks at the very least to sort of record a thing, talk about a thing, plan a thing. I would love to know how you've found it. I'm going to get upset though. I... I think that I did, it was something I didn't even know that I needed. Mm. My my hours at work are really hard. Uh, the work that I do, I like and I'm good at, so I get validation from it. But this has provided me with a counterpoint. I mean, I've always been interested. I, I read like an absolute voracious person. You know, I read voraciously and I like talking to friends about these topics, but I've had no real outlet or avenue to talk, I don't know, in a considered way. You haven't got a book club. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a book club. I mean, that's part of the issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really, it's really actually tragic. If anyone wants to invite Hetty to their book club, she is a... I mean, please. She can go to a loving home. She is free to go to a loving book think... club home. <laughs> Yeah, I am. I am. Do you think I should put an advert on Gumtree? Look, we've done the advert here. You've got an <laughs> yeah, advert on like Apple it. Podcasts. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, so I guess for me, it was a project that's much more in line with my personal interests than my professional interests. For me, there is two things about it that make it extraordinarily good. It's the fulfillment that I get from it. Mm. But it's also the support that I feel and the love that I feel from you guys by doing it so regularly, which has been such a constant for me throughout a pretty difficult time. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that, I feel like there's two relationships that have been born of this. And one is with you two, like you just said, Hetz. And the other one is with the listener. Yeah. And that has been very overwhelming for me. So... When I first approached you guys about doing this podcast, it was following a real creative funk earlier in the year. And Tris actually had tried to encourage me out of it by suggesting that I make something, anything. And at the time, my attitude was, why would anybody care what I make? Yeah. Because honestly, like being an actor is really just constantly being taught the lesson that nobody is interested in you. Yeah. Or, or if they are, it's fickle. So to do this uh, podcast in a way that was healthy for me mentally, I sort of had to detach any hope of people actually listening to it from the process of making it. Yes, I had to yeah. believe that we were embarking on this really as a form of catching up with each other, mm. helping each other through the wedding planning process, and maybe learning a new skill by sound editing software. Then, when week by week, we started to see these download numbers mm. just rising and rising and to read the amazing reviews and tweets from people who are not our mothers 
and <laughs> actually realise that we've connected with people and people all over the world is completely magical. Like, people are listening to us in South Africa and Dubai. It is very un-British to be self-congratulatory, but I, I think it's, it's all right for us to kind of tip a hat at it in a humble way because I, I certainly have been very... I'm still surprised whenever I look at the dashboard that sort of people are listening because I kind of forget forget that we're actually putting this out into the wider world. And yeah. the mention that we got on BBC Radio 4 Extra mm. was kind of a, a really weird, wonderful moment where you kind of are realising that you're... It, it's a funny thing doing this because, especially with something that's so highly emotional, one of the biggest liberators, but also one of the biggest challenges is feeling like at any point you're going to put a foot wrong and say something that's going to offend someone or you're not going to re- oh represent my your... God. Oh my God, it's been a minefield. It really has. And actually, yeah, that is, I would say, almost my biggest learning, aside from you guys, but I will come back to that. I have found this format incredibly challenging, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. I would say... Mm. on the whole I'm I'm not particularly good on the spot I like to take something away and have a good think about it and digest and I'm not generally somebody where perfectly formed jewels kind of fall out of my mouth <laughs> on the spot so this format that mm. kind of demands on the spot responses I found really difficult and so often I've been feeling like my contribution or when I've been piping up in episodes has either either been sort of like pithy little word is just get a laugh for you know a laugh's sake or it's been much more superficial it's been much more oh this person that person personal experience rather than the deeper thought provoking so I think one of the biggest lessons for me is sort of to acknowledge that frustration in myself and kind of accept the fact that that's just a string that I don't necessarily have and just hold it quite loosely and let it go which is I don't think where you guys come in as well because part of the reason that I've enjoyed this so so much is because I think that we are obviously while coming from a very similar background and again we are incredibly privileged as people in very many ways I think that we contribute different things to the conversation and move it around in different ways and I I think it sort of allowed me to get to know a different side of both of you and see both of you guys in different light in a totally new way. And it's just felt like a real privilege and a real, real gift, to be honest. And that's it's a real sappy thing to say, but that is how I feel. <laughs> oh, Becca, that's so sweet oh. to say, but it blows my mind that you see your contribution to our conversations as immaterial in any way because you are fecking hilarious. Completely and I know agree. for a fact that all three of us have separately felt like the weak link in this trio at various yeah. points. So... It's just imposter syndrome, innit? And it's bullshit because we're all fabulous. <laughs> so, final question. Can we all pick our favourite episode from the series? Oh, that's such a hard question to answer. Becca, you go first. No, why would you do that? <laughs> I have got so much from so many different episodes. And I look back at some of them and feel real pride. I look at some of them and think... I personally got a lot from that and a lot of, yeah, from the discussion. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the one that my mind keeps going back to just when I'm sort of by myself is actually the conversation we had about elopements with Maddie May. And I think it's because every other territory to some greater or lesser degree had already sort of passed my mind. Hmm. Whereas elopements wasn't something that had previously even really entered my mind at all actively. Mm. It's something to actively mm. think about. And I found it fascinating from... The perspective of just do away with this altogether, all of the fripperies around marriage, just do away with it and get back to what it's actually about for you guys. For some people, the wedding, (laughs) this is going to sound really weird, but for some people, the wedding day is about the other person, the other person only. I've come to realize that the wedding day itself for me isn't about that. It's for other people. So mm. for people mm. for whom it's absolutely about that one other person and marking them, an elopement feels like a really fascinating way of just totally mm. sidestepping the whole mess that is wedding planning. And I also appreciated the conversation that we had about the financials, where she was sort of saying people think that people who elope are just sort of cheap. And, you know, again, judgments, whatever. But actually, that's not at all the case. You're still investing money in making a day feel special and spectacular. But again, mapping it back to what is most vital and what is most important to you as a couple. And mm. that that's something that I've been really 
thinking on. It's not right for me, but I just found it incredible, an incredible conversation. I found it incredibly thought-provoking as well. Mm. Luce, what about you? I think one of the ones I keep coming back to, and oh my God, it is such a perfect exhibit of the fact that I am super traditional, was the one where we talked about our proposals, Mm. which was really early on. I think it's only the second or third episode or something. A lot of feedback that I've had, that's that's a favourite episode with a lot of our listeners, I think, as well. Yeah, and I think it's because it was just like a good old-fashioned story time. Mm. And actually, I do love hearing those stories, and it doesn't have to be about a proposal, but, like, I love love. Who doesn't love love? I love love as well. <laughs> I love hearing stories of wonderful kindnesses and love and yeah. large emotions. Because it's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing. And it is one area that where we can all say, absolutely, we had such different examples of what a proposal could be in terms of who does the proposing, how far through the relationship, how aware you are. I think I loved that one. But like you say, Becca, oh my God, so many episodes where we finished and I just thought, God, that was so, so mm. joyful to talk mm. about. Yeah, I love the proposals one. I think also the the episode about surnames, I think is probably yes. where I've received the most feedback. I think that's possibly an area where there's almost the, the longest way to go. Mm. And as a result, because there's a the longest way to go, I think, I think Jacob's is in some respects, as I mentioned earlier on in the episode Jacob's parents legitimately got into a pretty nasty fight with a family friend over the fact that Jacob has chosen to choose my surname so it's a real fruitful area of discussion and it's a very difficult I immediately feel outraged I do I can't even help it it's fucking bonkers how dare you and to be honest this is what I started this episode by saying I'm I'm defensive for a reason. It is easier for me than the alternative. So like, I'm also not going to sit here being like, oh, little halo. Like it is easier for me than the alternative to have proposed. Mm-hmm. In some respects, I didn't even think that Jacob would ever choose my surname. But the fact that he has, yeah, actually that sits so well for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is easier for us than the alternative. But that being said, the part where you, when you socialise your decisions with other people, mm-hmm. that's hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's almost one of the most interesting things about that decision is because because it's a decision that's been made to be talked about and to be noticed because of the impact that it has. Unlike, I think, a lot of the other decisions that you're making about your wedding, which is a lot more... Almost to make yourself invisible rather than visible. Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. I think that's a really... And and that's that's very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, but the other episode I think that I just have to talk about because I think it's an an interesting one because we've now sort of broken the fourth wall or whatever mm. it is talking about the process of us actually having recorded this right the the episode about the dress was really important to me so we recorded that episode and then I ended up having a bit of a wobble when I heard it back and I remember listening to it and kind of going I wasn't honest a little bit like how we started the episode about finances yeah right I feel so free to be honest with both of you but nonetheless in that episode I was not honest about the fact that that actually what I have experienced in terms of trying to find a dress for my day was 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 a nasty one we did was very quickly without even realizing it until we listened to the episode back we slipped right back into the oh we're, we're three girls with a glass of wine just talking about dresses and what shoes to wear that you can be comfortable in when you're dancing at night yeah. what we very quickly realized listening to it back was that it was a very sort of joyful fun filled chat but actually you know that's not really why why we're doing this what this isn't i don't think is a wedding planning podcast i think what no. this is is a let's question things and look at things and kind of give space for a conversation rather than going down that avenue of assumption yeah absolutely yes and in the context of having a conversation about dresses I also assumed my social personality when having a conversation about dresses which is not to unearth all my body insecurities or anything else not to unload those issues onto other people and Mm. I'm also not insecure about my looks like I actually feel very happy with how I ultimately look as well you and should that's what, damn hottie thank you but I <laughs> but that's what I said in the original episode and mm. so I listened to that back and I said hold on right. that's not not true but it also doesn't even tell you 
any of the good stuff. Yeah. When I say the good stuff, I mean yeah, the bad the stuff. The meaty stuff. And so that, for me, was an episode where we ended up, I ended up sort of texting you guys being like, oh, I just feel like I, I, this is actually a topic where we could go into, and we probably ought to go into, diet culture and really looking at the pressure that we put on the bride in mm. terms of the image and that's not just about weight it's actually to do with race it's to do with class it's to do with ableism it's to do with you know so many things get thrown into this into this issue and it's it's so tempting just to talk about dresses mm. but actually I'm really pleased and I feel like I think we ultimately did the topic service yeah and it was a difficult episode for me but I hopefully I think it was an important one if there are people out there who are kind of plus size or erring on mm. that will be something that will be comforting to them as a listen all right what do I always say at the end of most episodes <laughs> <laughs> oh hold on what is it I just forgotten it <laughs> so I feel like that's a great note to end on oh, that's nice. a great note to end on that's it that's, that's what it. I always say that's a great note to end what on guys what a funny feeling mm. shall we say the biggest and most enormous thank you to the listener oh, oh, on the other so. end of the earphones we want to weep thinking about you thank you so much for Huge giving thank you any of your precious time that you could be giving to anything else or any other podcast thank you so much for listening to yeah, us it's bonkers. it has been our huge privilege to entertain you and for any particularly avid listeners you might like to know that we're already fine deep in discussions about a series too so watch this space Absolutely. listen to this space <laughs> we never even talked about sex on the wedding night <laughs> And that is absolutely where we part. 100% where we part. Done. If you've enjoyed our ramblings and want to know what's coming up next, please subscribe and also please do recommend to All and Sundry because after all, word of mouth is very much the best way to share the love. And if you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us at TTAT underscore podcast where you can join in the dialogue. And pretty please, if you like what we do, leave us a rating and a short review as that helps possible future listeners know that we exist. And guys, this is the last time we will be saying this. So thank you to our listeners and thank you to our wonderful interviewees who are all far cooler than us thank you to our husband Alex for voluntarily being victims to our wannabe David Letterman interviews and of course thank you to Tristan Kay for our wonderful theme music music